Reason being is because I think that uh, when he was, nobody could guard him. And then you looked at kind of the way the defense was was setting up, specifically on his one touchdown catch that he had. It's like they're playing bingo. You know, Sam Houston, Delaware, Missouri State were all playoff teams. South Dakota State was a playoff team. Weber State. This is the A-Team Podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. The A-Team is presented by Drake's Place in Battle, South Dakota and sponsored by Jackrabbit Central and Shenanigans in Sioux Falls. That is terrible. Why would we ask him that? That's terrible. (laughs) Excellent point. Loved how Tyler caught the ball. And I love the fact that he tried to catch the ball in circumstances where, you know, we've seen other guys, regardless of their talent level, just drop, let let the ball drop. And then. All right. Uh, This took a weird turn again. So. (laughs) Just gutted one out at home against <laughs> South Dakota. Um, uh, the chokes. I mean, yo, sorry. Uh. <laughs> now, here's your hosts of the A-Team Podcast, Matt and Kyle. And welcome back to the Splitting Hairs Podcast, presented by Jack Rabbit Illustrated. Uh, also part of the FCS Fans Nation uh, Podcasting Network. Uh, Matt and Kyle here with you tonight. Kyle, how are you? Got the victory. So, you know, waking up on a Sunday morning is always a little bit sweeter. Um, got a lot that we can talk about. I'm excited to dive in. How are you doing, man? Hey, it's been it's been a good day. Uh, made some chickens on the smoker. Moved my, my youngest daughter's crib out of our bedroom to a new room. Uh, so, you know, that was a mistake to move her into our room, but... You know, we, we moved and everything just snowballed. So we'll see on that. So it's been a good day, uh, a busy day, um, but I'm glad to be here with you. And this podcast um, is sponsored, uh, are, is presented by Drake's Place, uh, the sea store out in Bowdoin. Uh Their restaurant just looks incredible. They Their Facebook page, give it a like. They keep putting out new menu items. They just updated their fall um, lunch specials. Man, I wish I lived close to the bottle because uh, it looks like some good food, and especially their SDSU-themed stuff that they've come out with. Um, I, I really want to try that at some point. So That's what I love, man. Do you think they can mail some of that stuff, the club yeah, right? sandwich? You know? Yeah, what, we can what, ask. It won't spoil. We can ask. Robert, if you're watching, comment and let us know if you can send us something. We'd love to, we'd love to sample it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, our other sponsor, Cottonwood Coffee, um, man, I love, I, I've commented before. I love Cottonwood's coffee. When I worked at SDSU, uh, I frequently stopped there to start my day. Um, and then a ton of lunch meetings, you know, when we interviewed candidates on campus, we often went to Cottonwood coffee. Uh, I know when I was a student, I went there to, to study. Um, man, I, I, I miss that place. I'm get, probably going to stop, um, on Saturday when I go down to the game beforehand before tailgating. So love it. Yeah. What do you get when you go there, Matt? Uh, so I love um, it's their uh, like their crab burger, right? They have Ooh. that crab burger on the menu, I think, or right? Or is it, what is it? It's a, some remember. sort of it's some sort of seafood burger, and you know I tried it just because for something different and fell in love with it, and that's my thing now. So love that. I'm yeah. a big breakfast guy, so I always go with anything breakfast on the menu. Um, it. it surprisingly working there it never got old either so sure it was always fun and then of course i can drink coffee from sun up to sundown so yeah well good stuff so 
let's get into this Indiana State game. So it's 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 so interesting. The Jackrabbits won 44 to 0. And there's this feeling of meh about it. Yeah, Just wins. Talk more about this, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, wins wins that feel like losses are excellent, right? Because you get the W, but there's there's blatant things that you can see uh, are areas for improvement. And I would say some some of those areas for improvement that jumped out right off the bat to me were awareness, just just general awareness, and that could be a function of being off for essentially two weeks for a lot of the guys, especially some of the starters. You know, like Chris. You know, not having those live action reps where guys are falling around at your feet and you're scrambling outside the pocket and you're extending plays, that can be really tough to kind of fall back into the rhythm. So missing some throws high, not knowing where the sticks are at certain times, just doing some things that I personally would say, even though we haven't seen a lot of them in blue and yellow, are uncharacteristic of what he's shown he's capable of. So that would be my first thing. And, and guys of his caliber, who I would say are some of the best players in the nation at the FCS level. I know that's a lofty, lofty mark that I'm putting on him there, but I think he would own that and he would take that um, with a lot of lofty respect and say, yeah, I can play better and I will be better, like Coach Stig, Stig would say. So that's the first thing. The second thing, if we want to be crisp in all three phases, special teams. Now you made a great point, Matt, 50-yard field goals, 50-plus, those are tough, right? So you're going you're gonna to kick the ball at a lower trajectory, and you're going to try to draw, really drive the ball. And sometimes a random fingertip might get the block. But if we're going to expect to take that next step, I think if you go back to the spring and you look at some things that could have been more sharp, the field goal PAT operation would have been one of those things. Now, regardless of who was snapping and who was holding and who was – it doesn't really matter, right? Because if you want to get into that upper echelon of teams that etch their names in the record books, you got to be clean in that operation when the time comes. We, were, we outmatched Indiana State, right? We were talent-wise completely in a different realm than them, but we want to make sure it doesn't matter who we're playing that we get those things done. A blocked field goal is not going to get it done. Um, and then I would just say th this is very nitpicky, but the celebrations to end. I like, I like turning up. I talked more trash than probably anybody on our team, and I apologize <laughs> collectively Right now, Coach Stig, I, I apologize if he ever even tunes into this. I'm not sure, but I talked more trash, but I was an off-the-ball player, right? I scored one touchdown my whole college career. I wasn't a guy that was going to have a, a spotlight on him. So these guys that score and get, get to pay dirt, man, you would be kicking yourself if you're doing the gritty and you cost yourself 15 yards in a tight game. I mean, if you're rocking, rocking the baby, I love that. I love that, that trash talking, that, that just edge, that, that little, little bit of grit that you got because you, you know it's important to you and you want to swag, swag up on a team, but you just can't do that. You yeah. know, Go do that on, the, on your own team's sidelines because then they can't flag you for it because you're on your own side. But I just, I just know that living with that regret, if you did something like that and that's why your team lost the game, dude, that would suck. So, mm -hmm. well, and especially, you know, he got flagged for it last year in that UND game. And uh, I, I believe it cost us the first down when we were trying to, you know, make, st stick in the game before we got down a couple scores up there in the Laris Center. So, um, and that was just something I, I noticed that too throughout the game. Um, you know, it just, uh, our guys, our guys were definitely playing with an edge. 
And and the I believe what the color commentator said when they must have talked to one of the coaches or Stig during the week that uh, Stig had mentioned that Griff had come to him after the Colorado State game and said, we're the best team in the country. We need to start acting like it in some way. Um, I'm not sure if that, that swagger that they're playing with is them stepping out and acting like the best team in the country. But man, I would, I'm with you, Kyle. I would hate to see uh, some of that trash talk or some of those celebrations after big plays um, cost us, you know, and and give a team a first down or take points off the board. That's not what we want. (laughs) No, I'm as a role player, I was always a little risk averse with that. Like I would, I would be the antagonist. I was like Rodman, right? I was the hustle guy that would get the, get the boards, never really show up in the stat sheet, but man, I would, I would piss other people. I mean, Iowa State, I got like a couple 15 yarders because I was pissing people off. But when you score, I never was that type of athlete. When you score, those those players, that's the spotlight. It's on you. So I would just say just be mindful of that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you definitely you don't want to negate a great thing that you just have done for your team. And you know, you can get away with that with against Indiana State. And I'm not trying to disparage them, but clearly we were we they were outmatched. Mm-hmm. So it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. And one thing on special teams that when I was just even watching the highlights and thinking back to the game, um, you know, I love Brady Sorensen, but it seems like the snaps were inconsistent. You know, multiple times the, the, the play-by-play commented on a high snap or a low snap. Um, watching the replay of Fromm's, uh, you know, long field goal. Uh, Merriam called out a low snap that was handled by Heidi. Um so, I, I, you know, I'm happy he's back, uh, but let's clean it up. Let's get a little more consistency on those snaps. So, so let's get into some positive news here. You know, we got some positives too. It wasn't – we still won 44-0, which is just, you know, when you think about a lot of the things we're talking about and upset about, the execution, especially in that first quarter not being crisp. Um, but let's talk about things that we liked. And so things that I liked in my rants and raves um, – I'm going to start again. Special teams. Let's just stick here. I really like Tyler Feldkamp as a punt returner. Love that he you just that. he. If you look at the stat sheet, he had negative three yards on the day on three returns. But there was not a moment when the ball was in the air and he was under it where I said, "Oh man, oh man!" Like if you watch his tape, he's a natural catcher back there at, at fielding punts. Um, he looks confident the whole time. Um, I credit him for trying to make a move with the ball in those early ones. He's going to learn when to fair catch and when to, when to try to make that move. Um, but he has that ability, that athleticism where if he breaks or gets through that opening um, layer of, of the coverage units, he's, he could be gone. He could house it. Um, so I'm excited for him. That's the, that's probably the most natural looking punt returner we've had uh, since Marquise Lewis. Um you know, five, six years ago now already. Hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think that 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 was another area where I kind of got a little bit frustrated, you know, watching the film, because if we're going to be that far superior to the, to the Sycamores in terms of talent and it's showing on offense and defense and, and we're really creating issues for ourselves more than they're forcing the issue, then I want to see our punt return team, punt return team act like that they're gonna they're the best players on the field it doesn't matter if they're backups right um so or or they're not guys who naturally start maybe they rotate in the starting lineup a little bit here and there but i want to see them act like 
you know, we need to score on this play. Take take that sense of urgency into that phase of the game to where that first layer, maybe they're not coming on uh, Tyler so quickly, right? To where he can make that one cut and we can give him some opportunities to move in space. So excellent point. Loved how Tyler caught the ball. And I love the fact that he tried to catch the ball mm-hmm. in circumstances where, you know, we've seen other guys, regardless of their talent level, just drop, let, let the ball drop. And then the punt, rolls another 15 yards in favor of the punting team. So, yep. good to see. Yeah. Uh, from Scott Rust here, how about Chris dropping dimes to the tight ends? Yeah, he threw a couple nice passes for sure. Uh, Tucker is starting to emerge as a true threat on offense, and that's something that we've talked about and I've hoped for for two years. Uh, and that that touchdown pass, uh, Kyle, you tend to tell the story. What did you initially see on that touchdown pass to Tucker? Initially, I thought he didn't high point it like he should have. But, you know, and and I, I don't know if anybody else got the same vibe I did from watching the ESPN Plus uh, angles, but it was so – the wide was really wide. It was really far away from the field at field level. So you couldn't really – and it's not like they took adequate zooms or, like, different angles. It wasn't the greatest production, and I'm not trying to slight anybody there at Indiana State. It is what it is. We still got to see it, loved it. Um, the commentary was excellent, especially the color. Um, so what was clear is an empty bottle of Patron to <laughs> <in> me <laughs> after seeing a little bit of a different angle was that Tucker boxed his man out really well. And that ball was perfectly placed by Chris, which had to do a lot for his confidence. Not that he got down, but he missed some throws that were on the table and available for him to make. So that was really cool to see. Um, and then <laughs> you can't spell athlete without a tight end, baby, T-E. So I love seeing Tucker finish and get to pay dirt because, you know, he's a big dude. Um, I love seeing that he's averaging about five catches a game. I can't remember if it was Jim or someone earlier in the year said, um, was inquiring about how many touches Tucker would get uh, or how many catches he would get as well. And I thought it was really cool because he's about averaging five a game considering he was pulled before half pretty much uh, in our last home game. So mm-hmm. that was exciting to see. Yeah. Um, another rave uh, that I had had in the, in, in the write-up uh, was just in general, um, the 605 Hogs again. Um, you know, we keep coming after this week after week. First quarter, again, it's like, man, what's going on with these guys? What's what's going on with the 605 Hogs today? And as the game progresses, it they they just take over. They dominate. Um, you know, Chris, again, um, for the most part, had a clean pocket. Um, early in the game, there was some pressure on him. Um, he did take some hits after he threw. Um, but, man, anytime your running backs can run how Pierre and Amar were um, – it just shows you how good they are. What I really like seeing as well is when that second unit came in, um, there didn't appear to be a huge drop off. Keaton threw three passes and went three for three through that touchdown or through that nice long running catch to Amar. Uh, yeah. But it never felt like he was pressured. Amar had plenty of room to run. Um, I've, I noticed that um, Eddie Miller, you know, his back, uh, um, Bo Donald's back. So those are some huge key depth pieces for us along that offensive line. Um, and that's, that's tremendous that they're back. So um, yeah. yeah. 
And had a couple procedural yips, I think, across the board. It could have been tight ends. It could have been maybe not snapping the ball when everyone else got the snap count, maybe on West there a couple times. But, you know, by and large, some of those things are to be expected coming off of an improvement week by week, semantic, whatever you want to call it. Um, It just it gets to be where these guys, 250 plus starts across the board, I think Mm -hmm. something crazy like that. Um, you're really starting to see it pay dividends. I mean, we take, I, th- I really do think we take it for granted a little bit. <clears throat> 605 hogs have branded themselves really nicely. And it's exciting to talk. Like, I think it's exciting to talk about an offensive line, right? And the chain gang, the two trenches, like mm-hmm. how awesome is it to be able to, to have guys who've had this type of experience playing in unison and really having a, I would say it's once in a lifetime talent, but it's, we're running back you, baby. It keeps coming. <laughs> Um, and to see Pierre do what he's done and, and Isaiah do what he's done and Zenner and, and like Manette, all these guys, mm-hmm. man, it's just really exciting. And, and, you know, that's a function of great offensive line play first and foremost. So um, I want to see them take that up another notch here this next week. Yeah, I, I would love to see him just start just a little bit faster um, as, a, as a unit, um, really dominate from the start. Um, one of, one of my rants, my other rants that I may have had, um, in here was just, God, keeping Pierre in that long into the game, um, really concerned me. You know, he ended up with right around 25 touches, 24 touches, I believe 23 touches, uh, 20 rushes, three pass receptions, um, and one pass. Yeah, and one pass. So uh, it, it just that that concerned me how long he played into the third quarter. Granted, we had that super long drive to start the third quarter. You know, uh, Indiana State uh, drove it down and we got the ball back and then we controlled it for most of the quarter. But man, we're just so thin right now at running back that the game wasn't coming back. It was out of hands. But I get it, that that need to keep him fresh as well uh, or not fresh, but Conditioned. Conditioned. Thank you. Yeah. The opposite of fresh, right? Yeah. And you know, no, that's a good point. I I follow what you're saying. I think it has a lot to do with, you know, you only get so many cracks at it. So I think that they need him in rhythm. They need him in the flow of the game. It's why I kept harping on Twitter. I was like, you know, maybe just call a design run for Chris. Granted, we're not all that deep at quarterback either. Heidi has his experience, but I mean, we, we know what, the difference is in, in terms of our depth at quarterback. So I think that like when you call a design run versus a scramble, the intention is that, Hey, you could take a shot on this play, mm-hmm. but we believe in you. We believe in our own line. We believe that you won't, right. We believe you you'll be able to get back up. So a lot of times I like to see early on the quarterback, you know, get a little green on that, that white Jersey, a little grass stain or whatever dirt, you know, the, the rubber pellets, whatever, whatever the case may be <laughs> so that they can kind of infuse themselves, their mentality back into the flow of the game. Having had two weeks off, essentially, yep. he, only played, he only played what a quarter and a half against yeah. Lindenwood. So, you know, that's my take on it. Maybe that's a little bit conventional, a little old school, but I think that he did start to settle into the game you know, mm-hmm. more reps equal more, more familiarity with what's going on. So mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. my take. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, the last two raves that I had uh, for the blog, Isaiah Stalberg. I mean, I just am super impressed with him right now at moving up to linebacker. That really looks like his natural position. You know, last year at safety, um, 
you know, I, I obviously he, he played well. Um, but again, I, I've commented before. I thought there were some missed tackles, poor angles last year from safety. That's not happening this year at linebacker. And so that's been good to see. And then the other thing um, is just the overall depth of our defense that, that got to play yesterday. Um, you know, Caleb Frankel, Peyton Schaefer, uh, like Dayton McGowey again, um, Jared DePriest and Ryan Van Marl. Uh, Randy K got a half a sack. Yep. Um, Steven RL, like we heard his name twice. Um, Dallas Beanham was right, right yep. at the ball multiple times. Kevin, so Kevin Bonner had one of the big hits of the game, you know? I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Kevin Brenner. Yeah. Brenner. He, uh, pardon me. Oh man, that can be a rant. You go off on that. That's well, I mean, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to turn it into a rave and a rant. Yeah. So I'm, I, the, the physicality that we played with on the defensive side of the ball in that game pretty salty right like i mean we got guys like i can't remember i think it was was it reader norblade one of those it was reader. I think, yeah i think it was reader who completely you know just unloaded because he was in position right he kept 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 the the play inside of his framework and inside of his numbers and then just the guy was coming down the quarterback didn't do him any favors and you know he just finished through his man and uh because the helmet came off and the viciousness of the outcome, I feel like the the refs decided they needed to pull a hanky. But then uh, kudos to them because I thought they would overreact, right? It, but looking at it, he didn't lead with the crown. He didn't launch. Uh, he may or may not have finished up through the head and neck, but it was through the body first. So I, I love that they picked that up. Kevin Brenner just unloaded personally. I thought he committed to the tackle before, before he could have even known that it would have been forcible contact to the head or neck area. So, you, I mean, you gotta li- you're gotta you going to live with those uh, on occasion. I mean, the refs are going to get it wrong. But, again, that goes back to our initial comment about showboating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't leave it in their hands. Never leave it in the zebra's hands because mm-hmm. that's, that's a prey animal. That's not a predator. So they're going to hey. be scared. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. You're scared oh, of that cool. physicality. <laughs> I like that. Never heard that before. Um, speaking of that, speaking of the, the reader hit, I really did appreciate the color commentary on how he walked through that as a defensive player. And, um, it's easy. He could have been totally biased as an Indiana state, uh, alum. He's a former player that played yeah. for them, a very good player, control Moss. And he, he wasn't, he was very objective on that and said, man, he just got put in a bad spot. I don't think this is targeting. And he walked through it just like you did. Uh, so kudos to him. Um, I just appreciated how he was objective through that and really walked through what a defensive player was thinking in that spot. So, yeah. And and I want to give uh, a, a rave to them, man. Like, cause you know, we had Luke on to the, to do the preview and like, first of all, he's got a, he's got a voice that's just tailor made for this, like pure mm-hmm. as silk, right? Like just totally needs to have a mic in front of him in order to be able to do play-by-play or something, whether he's MC in a wedding or what, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, that dude is tailor-made. And then he speaks so well because he knows the history and he's, he's well-informed and stuff like that. And then to kind of have it feel like a podcast, it kind of felt like a podcast to me. Mm-hmm. Um, very casual with, with Moss right next to him, you know, dropping in some of his little, uh, his idiosyncrasies with the clear as a bottle, empty bottle of Patron. I I think the whole, I think everybody got a kick out of that. And that's what you need. You need to draw the audience in, especially when it's a route like that. Um, And definitely taking hats off to them. So I love that. Yeah, definitely. I, I know. I, 
early in the game, there were some things that kind of were like, uh, that's weird. Um, but honestly, as the game went along, they, they kind of grew on me as a tandem. Um, and again, I just really appreciated their objectivity. And man, they were sure complimentary towards the Jackrabbits. Yeah. Like there was nothing ever that felt, I don't know, they're, they're, that they were blaming the the victory entirely on Indiana State's ineptitude. Um, there was a lot of credit that went our way. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's get into some game balls. Or do you have anything else, Kyle, to add about the game in general, Indiana State? Weather was beautiful. Uh, it really looked like they, they had a decent crowd turnout too. You know, want to give them props too. Like, you can always empathize. Uh, we didn't we didn't just strike it rich out the gate at the D1 level, although we did, we did have some consistent seven-win seasons right off the rip. Um, it's a struggle. It's a battle, especially dealing with the circumstances surrounding everything that's going on in the culture right now. Um, I just – I think – Kurt Mallory's got him on on the right path, um, winning some closer games with some some comparable um, national opponents like like the Eastern Kentuckys of the world. But I will say this: some of those some of the calls I would have questioned a little bit more. Um, I understand the mentality: got to go for seven points instead of three. Can't settle for that against a team of the caliber of South Dakota State. But in terms of like playing to the mentality of your team. Like just seeing three go up on the board a couple times. I mean, they I think they went for it four times and failed every time. That's four turnovers right there. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a bit internally demoralizing. I know the whole point of going for it is your coach believes in you, but I think we were we we need we want to keep some things in perspective for the Jack faithful too and understand. Um, while it was a shutout, there were some there were some decisions made from a, a coaching philosophy perspective that may have you know, nodded in our favor there. Yeah. Hey, that's fair. That's true. That's very true. It'll humble us a little bit, hopefully. Yeah. 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 All right. Game balls here. Um, on the, on the blog again, uh, I went with Pierre strong. Uh, how, how can he not? He was named the Missouri Valley offensive player of the week. I just saw, uh, right at the end of the day here. So one for one passing 22 yards and a touchdown, uh, 20 rushing attempts for 150 yards, and then two receptions for for 23 yards. So, uh, pretty darn nice day for for Pierre. So, do you know who I would have gone with on the offensive side of the ball, Matt? Tucker Craft. How the heck did you guess that? Because you can't spell <laughs> athlete without tight end, Kyle. That's right. That's right. Reason being is because I think that uh, when he was, I mean, nobody could guard him, and mm-hmm. then you looked at kind of the way the defense was was setting up, specifically on his one touchdown catch that he had. They were in a 3-4. They bumped out their edge defender to their personal sideline, right, mm-hmm. um, to account for the trips to that side. They had a single high safety, right? Everybody bear with me. Mm-hmm. Single high safety. He was deep. To the trip, deep. deep and tre- cheated to the trip side, which mm-hmm. you, you should have been. But then you're going, why, why in the world would they – I mean, this is later on in the game, I think why are they going to go man against us in this situation when they haven't gotten a pass rush really all game? A couple times they hit Chris, but for the most part, he had a pretty clean pocket, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're leaving Tucker one-on-one with someone. It literally is a basketball play and Chris could not have put the ball any better. It's just, it's just like literally inviting the offense to just exploit you. Um, And kudos to Tucker for finishing. Yeah, watching that um, that play, I watched that play a, a bunch of times on the SDSU football Twitter, and they do that. It's not even like a super hard play action to yeah. Amar, 
but both backers take two steps into that hole. And then that deep safety who's 15 yards off the line um, at the snap, he backpedals. He's bailing towards the goalpost. Like and he didn't even really <laughs> help the trip side either. No, I no. watched that play several times over and over from the wide <laughs> and, and try to get a little bit more of a tight shot. Everybody was open on that play. Yeah. Every single person was open on that play. <laughs> even what would have been the backside receiver on the Indiana State sidelines, which was Yankee mm-hmm. uh, Jackson. He, it was like, what are you? I don't know. That's just that's just when you literally need to win because you are the better team. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Um, and then on defense, uh, haven't even said his name once, um, but Adam Bach, uh, his interception uh, early in the game kind of had that feel of like, oh, here we go. And then that's where it started to snowball a little bit. Um, similar to Southern Illinois game last year um, in the regular season. Uh, you know, he finished with 10 assisted tackles, but he was just, again, always around the ball. Uh, the interception for me did it. Um I think there were lots of performances on the defensive side worthy of it. Isaiah Stalbert again. Um, but I went with Bach uh, yep. this week. Yep. And you know, another thing I want to bring his name up. We haven't mentioned his name really hardly at all. And it's three games into the season is Josh Manchagaya. Mm-hmm. Just solid back there. You know, he really is a couple times. I really thought he was going to house one. I thought he had a pick six opportunity on Saturday, which yep. is another thing you need to capitalize on. Cause when you play better opponents, you don't know when you're going to get those chances. So you just need to finish. And I know he knows that because he's got seven picks on the year. He's got insane numbers, right? Um, But I think a dude who comes back and has insane numbers, there's one thing on his mind, and that is championship caliber football. Um, But I really really want to highlight him because I think he's cleaned some stuff up um, early on with some coverage, coverage uh, uh, miscues and so on and so forth. But, yeah, our second-level defenders, linebackers, just like Ryan uh, commented here, our linebackers, our DBs are playing real high. And another guy, he's been so quiet because they can't test him. That's Don Gardner. Um, yeah. You know, not that they can't test him, but you know what I mean? Like when a, when a DB who's your man, who's your lockdown DB is quiet, that's a good thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, it was funny. I think our boy Luke um, from Indiana State, commented during the broadcast about Manchagaya um, being a, a very physical player. I think when he was trying to, to tackle a uh, guard or whatever their, their running back was, or when he did tackle him. Um, but that's funny. Cause that's just not what Josh has ever been known for, you know, yeah. and, it, and it speaks to his growth as a player um, from someone that came in and played a lot of safety as a sophomore to now as a senior or junior, I guess he has a weird medical red shirt in there too, somewhere. Um, yeah. That's that. I mean, it just speaks to his growth as a, as an athlete. So no, I'm glad you brought that up because I have seen him play more physical. Like, mm-hmm. and usually when, when you're, when you have an MO and you played at least three years and you have, and you're not known as the physical guy for mm-hmm. you to take that next step and, and stick your nose in there and, and dip your pads and, and get physical. Cause I saw him get physical too. Mm-hmm. A couple of times. Luke, Luke wasn't kidding. Um, yep. it, that was nice to see because that, again, I, I would say overall top to bottom defensively, what I've noticed in that game, that the physicality, the physicality mm-hmm. was on a whole nother level. And we just played Lindenwood, which makes me think that Thomas Stacker's comments might not have been far off. 
you know, about mm-hmm. Lindenwood having some physicality on the O-line different than even Colorado State. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. And then special teams, um, you know, with the with the missed field goal, I couldn't give it to Fromm, um, even though his kickoffs, again, left no room for opportunity there. Um, I thought Hunter Dustman did a nice job, but I am just so happy to have a punt returner that I'm confident in. So I gave it to Tyler Feldkamp, even though he finished with negative three yards on returns. I don't care. I felt good about all of his opportunities. So <laughs> if you don't shoot yourself in the foot, you can still walk and run, right? Yes. There we go, baby. You know, yes. that's what we need. Yes. There was, I, I believe, um, the, there was the one punch where he could have maybe done a little bit harder fake at the goal line. It was a pretty, uh, you know, he's not going to win any Emmys for that, uh, that fake, but those guys knew what they were doing for Indiana state anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't, he still gave the opportunity for the ball to roll in the end zone. He didn't catch it at the three yard line or, you know, or fair catch it at the three yard line, like Isaiah did earlier this year. Um, (laughs) So just some things like that. He looks natural back there. Yeah. And with reps comes more and more cleverness, some, some cunning Mm -hmm. uh, opportunities to throw the other team off. And I think that, uh, you know, like Paul Onenson said, when I had him on the former player feature, it, it was just one of the most crucial things is that's the first play for your offense, right? Mm. So catch the ball. Don't allow the ball to continue to roll, which essentially you can think of it kind of as a tackle for loss yep. because you allow the ball to hit and establish itself in the field of play. And then, then it, it hurts you. So catch it when you can catch it. If it's something that's obscure, like an end over end or something like that, do what you got to do. But I want to give him kudos because he did a great job. Yep. All right. Let's get on to Dixie state here. So Kyle, hey Matt, you, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know where Dixie State is? Um, well, land of Dixie, Utah, right? Land of yeah, Dixie. It is Utah. Utah. Now yeah. you do your homework, so I imagine you would know that since we were doing our little pre-prep talk. So, you, and you shocked me that you did, but I shouldn't have been shocked because you always know your stuff. It's in St. George, Utah. I would have definitely thought it was in the southeast somewhere. You know, the heart of Dixie. But uh, it actually isn't. I did some homework on it. Would you like to know some other facts about it? Yeah, yeah. So basically, St. George, Utah, it it started out as a a church, uh, LDS, Latter-day Saints community. So rich religious history out there in Utah. Um, And so essentially in St. George, they didn't have a, a, a school presence in uh in the heart of of the town there so essentially they started a high school um and what happened was the church wanted to start um essentially bailing from from their uh their high school mission opportunities and with it being there um actually it was called uh it went through several name changes like dixie college and dixie normal college and things like that but originally started out as a high school makes me wonder kind of if bloomington normal has anything to do with it being a teacher college perhaps. I'm not sure. Um, you know, the Redbirds down there, uh, in the Missouri Valley, but so Dixie, essentially they used to be called the flyers, but they used to have a D painted on the Hill there in St. George. Um, and they would do a lot of, you know, obviously rallies and try to try to get the, the community, local community enthused. Um, but so it was Dixie College uh, in like the 20s or something like that. And then it changed its name and it took on this evolution uh, in like the 60s or so. And then it turns into now this this publicly funded institution, which is Dixie State. And now they're in the, was it called the AQ7 now? Yeah. The, the yeah. WAC. Yep. It will be the WAC. Um, currently they're, they're joined with the 
it's, it's the Atlantic Sun, right? So yep. they're joined with the Atlantic Sun. So it's the AQ7. Uh, AQ standing for automatic qualifier because you get if you have seven teams and you qualify according to the different uh, you know criteria you get an automatic bid and so them along with well now Austin oh Austin P is going to go to the A Sun um, but you have Sam Houston State obviously we're very familiar with them and you have some of these other you know top contenders Southern Utah is going to be going to the WAC leaving the Big Sky uh, so you know. It'll be an interesting, interesting school that we get to finish out our non-conference play with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and so Dixie State is transitioning from Division Two to Division One to join this this new conference, the WAC that Kyle's talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me, and they they uh, they they were successful at the Division Two level, um, multi-year playoff qualifier. You know, recently they've been doing really well. Um, and, but their schedule, Kyle, you've commented on their schedule before. Can you talk yeah, just I, about their schedule just a little bit? <laughs> absolutely. You know, I hit up, uh, I hit up Sam Herter, who does a great job, uh, with hero sports covering the FCS. And he's, he just is so concise with his, uh, his rundowns of things, but Dixie state, I think plays more ranked teams than I can ever remember in recent memory. Um, you know, transition or not. And, uh, you know, they play Montana, they play us, they play, um, pulling up their schedule here, bear with me. Um, you know, they've played, they play a battery of, so I think they play UC Davis at one point here as well. Um, you want me to go through it? I have it up right now. Yeah, no, they just asked me if I wanted to start giving and, uh, no, um, <laughs> I need to make sure, um, I got it right here. So we got. Uh, Sac, Sac State, you know, in 2019, who won the Big Sky, um, you know, they lost to them, but they played them pretty tight. Weber State, number eight, UC Davis, uh, they just lost to by, uh, you know, considerable margin uh, a couple weeks ago. So they would have been off last week because UC Davis just finished off Weber State um, and got a, a W, which was a big win on the national scene. So we want to know that. Um, yeah. And so, Matt, talk a little bit about what you see in this game. It's kind of <laughs> wild, right? Yeah, so it's just you know it's it's one thing when you're transitioning to um, you know need to play some of these games uh, just to get into kind of balance the books. Um, Stig talked about that, Kyle. You know the Iowa State game when he I, I believe what year was it? Oh, when they, yeah, oh eight. Um, but he said they were looking at the books, and if they hadn't got that Iowa State game, that I, that check from them. Uh, who knows what would have happened if there? Yeah, had been- we, it would have been hard for us to be fully funded at the FCS yeah. level that year. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, I get it that you know you 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 have to pay some of or play some of these uh, pay games. I guess take your take your loss and take your check. I get you know I get it, but at the same time, this is just nuts because you're playing basically a full schedule of ranked teams. It's like they're playing bingo. You know, Sam Houston, Delaware, Missouri State were all playoff teams. South Dakota State was a playoff team. Weber State, uh, Montana would have been in the spring likely if they had played. Yep. Um, like that's just insane. And so, like the the one game that's winnable for them, for likely, them. likely is Tarleton. And I hope they whip the snot out of Tarleton for what they did to our schedule. Let's so, go illuminate the public on that, man. Yeah. So as most folks are aware, Tarleton backed out of us early 
or late in the spring, March, April, um, for the game that was played against Lindenwood um, two weeks ago. We wouldn't have played Lindenwood, a D2 school that doesn't matter on our resume, if it hadn't been for Tarleton backing out late. So I hope Dixie State creams them, like crushes them. Let's go. I'll be a huge Dixie State fan in a few weeks. Indeed. So. I think they got Fort Lewis. They'll probably have a little a, a good uh, fairing against Fort Lewis sure. um, at home late in the season. But, you know, then they wrap up with Missouri State, who is currently ranked and just gutted one out at home against <laughs> South Dakota. Um, uh, the chokes. I mean, yo, sorry. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Grizz, uh, number five, you know, like good luck and God bless right after they play us. And they're on the road for both of those. I mean, and then they're at Delaware as well, and they're at Sam Houston. So, I mean, you're not really drawing a whole lot of home revenue, and they were at UC Davis. So, you know, I think the the interesting thing about all this is got to give their athletics department props for biting off a lot, definitely more than they can chew. But, you know, I, I think I was going back and forth with some of the folks on FCS Fans Nation. They're trying to test their metal, and they're going to be ready I just think that if, if I'm the AD, if you and I are in the athletics department and we want to welcome Dallas on, what's up, big dog? Um, if we're all three putting our heads together and we're saying, hey, what do we need to do to get this program ready to compete at that level? I don't think it's schedule. I mean, and I don't know when they scheduled, so I want to give them credit, but I mean, five, six, seven, eight top top 25 teams. That's too much. That's too much. Um, you know, it reminds me of like when I think it was maybe Delta State or Mercer or something like that played Alabama and then they played Ole Miss and then they play, you know, they played all these SEC schools to get those guaranteed paydays. Well, do you, are you going to have a roster at the end of it? <laughs> like, yeah, right. I mean, something to consider, but you know, this isn't going to be any easy day. You know, we're playing another Bison team. So, um, you know, we're going to need to take care of business. Yeah. So a couple notes from their roster um, that we that we just kind of think about here. You know, again, they're transitioning. So their offensive line right now is not um, an MVFC or a Big Sky or a CAA line right now. Their left tackle is a true freshman, uh, 6'7", 250. Um, you know, looking at that, they, they have the, the – the backup behind him is also a freshman. They have freshmen up and up and down their roster. Um, and I know they're true freshmen because they have redshirt freshmen denoted to other players on their two deep. So um, they, you know, a lot of uh, um, uh, Polynesian names that are yep. there. Um, and so I, I looked a little bit in that D tackle 92 uh, Livingston. Uh, I can't say his last name. Peogafi. Um, I mean, he has two and a half sacks on the season. And so, uh, and he's a big boy. He's six foot 273. So, um, I mean, that's the person that I'm interested in watching. Uh, just for, just again, I'm, I'm I think he looks like he has some potential there, um, yeah. and decent size. So, um, their, their specialists are young, their specialists are freshmen. So there might be some opportunities there to make plays. Um, but what I'm really looking for out of this matchup is for us to come out, take care of business, right? I want us to play clean. I want us to stay healthy. We have Southern Illinois coming in the next week, so we can't, you know, I hate this. Is, is this a classic trap game? Like, we shouldn't no. lose this game, right? Like Now, you know, 
I will take care of business, but it's, it's one of those other things like uh, we need to be clicking on all cylinders and that's in all three phases and like in the what to watch that you put out every week, Matt, everybody go check that out. I, I, I enjoy it personally. We all kind of put our heads together, but Matt takes care of it and closes up shop. We need to make sure we're crisp in all three phases. And I think that the biggest thing is not having uh, unforced errors, right? Don't have any procedural errors. Don't kick the ball out of bounds. Don't, uh, you know, have false start penalties in pivotal moments, catch the balls that are there, deliver the balls that are there, have field awareness, all those things, uh, I think, against uh, opponent an opponent that you should beat, you got to take care of those. Mm-hmm. Dallas, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm good. I uh, yeah, I'm getting getting into busy work season, so I thought I'd jump in here real late and, and just check in, say hey. Uh, when, when you were talking about roster there for a minute, I yeah. actually the main reason I wanted to jump in was to plug the B Team podcast. Uh, they'll be on Wednesday night. You, did you cover this already? I'm sorry. I no, just got, nope, nope. Okay. All right. So they'll be on uh, 8.30 on Wednesday night, and they're going to have uh, Devin Dixon, who is the play-by-play voice for Dixie State, on nice. to talk about roster and, yeah, give us a little bit of background on, on what these guys are about. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I like learning about new opponents. Uh, you know, we'll kind of see what approach they're taking uh, what on earth they were thinking with that schedule, like you guys were talking about when I jumped in here. But it, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm excited to hear more about him. We'll see how long he sticks on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it always helps to, sorry, Matt, it just always helps to have, you know, Matt and I can do our homework, but having uh, someone who's on, on the in with these teams uh, illuminate us on their strengths, uh, kind of some of the takeaways that always helps. So appreciate mm-hmm. you lining that up with Luke last week. And then, you know, having done that in the past and now with B team, everybody check out the B team for that. It's going to be good coverage. Definitely. Yeah. It was fun listening to Luke on the, on the TV call. Do you, do you talk about that at all? Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what was your take on it though? I, on the, just the game in general or the, just the commentary commentary. Uh, I tell you what, I, I did tweet out to Alex Parker that he needs to steal the clear as a bottle of empty Patron. <laughs> <laughs> no, we like that too. That's a given. No, I, I liked it. You know, it's uh, honestly on this level, uh, that type of call, you love hearing the the color guy being a total homer like that. That makes it fun. I like that. Uh, I thought Luke was very, very good. And honestly, like they could not have been more complimentary of the Jackrabbits. I mean, just over and over. It was just a, well, that's why they're number two. That's why they're going to go back to the championship. I mean, that that's all we heard the whole game. So I, I thought it was good. Yeah. Well, Dallas, that makes me feel good because that's what uh, we kind of said earlier. So nice. uh, good. Um, a couple a couple other things, just doing a quick thing. I haven't done my deep dive yet to write my preview, um, but their quarterback, they, they're on their second quarterback of the season. I'm not sure if their starter, you know, Cody Wilstead is injured or just was benched just due to performance. Um, but they're, they're going with this cat, uh, Kenyon Oblad. And he is uh, a sophomore. And against UC Davis, he attempted 58 passes, completing 32 for 342 yards, four TDs, and five interceptions. So <laughs> so they're going to sling the rock. Um, looking at their opening loss to, um, to – uh, who was their opening loss? Cheaper, Sac State. 
Yeah. They were pretty balanced, though. They did rush the ball 25 times through 30 passes. I'm just trying to figure out their offense a little bit. Um, but, man, throwing the ball 58 times against UC Davis, uh, that would have been fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, when six, uh, UC Davis puts a 60 spot on you, you kind of got to try to air it out just to even probably maintain a, a reachable distance. And, you know, I do want to talk – That's I'm glad you bring up their offense, Matt. I do want to talk about their roster kind of top to bottom. I noticed a lot of uh, Cali kids, um, a lot of Inland Empire kids where my little brother grew up and played mm-hmm. – uh, played ball against uh, Upland High School and against Ukaipa and even Redlands, where my brother went went to school and where he's from. So uh, they're going to have some speed. They're going to be some guys who are, who are athletic. Now, whether or not they can put together three phases against a very deep roster like the Jacks have, that's a completely different story. But um, they have a guy from Colorado, you know, and uh, from out here in Arlington, not far from where I live, where Lauren went to school, Grace Prep in high school. So they got some athletes. You know, Lauren was a Division One player too. So um, there's some talent on this roster. So we should pre- we should take them serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. I'm, I'm painting the picture looking at that with all those, those attempts. Without the picks, decent yards. And I'm just imagining, honestly, the quarterback probably running for his life. Just when you've got an undersized line still trying to develop uh, and you've got, you know, legitimate FCS powerhouse teams with, you know, D Lyman trying to track you down. And I – I'm guessing that's the way this game on Saturday is going to go. And I say that with all due respect, it just takes time to get there. Yeah. And in Dallas, you're uh, sorry. Sorry, Matt. You're, you're the line guy. Would you say that it's probably the, one of the more difficult things to do to build your trenches uh, when you're an upstart program? Yes. hundred um, percent. Because you can, there's, and I'm not going to pretend like, like skill guys are a dime a dozen because that's not the case and good skill is good skill. And that's why those folks, uh, when you get down the road in the pros, that's why they make the money that they do. But, but uh, you know, line, it, it's a culture, right? You don't just go get big bodies. Uh, you can get, and I've, I've seen this happen. And this is, this has happened with, with, with SDSU now over the last uh, 10 years or so where, it's the, the culture is really developed. There's been fantastic offensive linemen at South Dakota state for forever. I mean, you go back, uh, the, the last, indu- uh, last, uh, class inducted. Um, I feel like a jerk. I'm forgetting his name. My dad said his name a hundred times. Uh, it was the only first round draft pick in the North central conference. Uh, what's that? Is it Gonnerman? No. Or- uh, my dad's going to kick my butt if he listens to this. Oh, Timmerman? No, no. no Lynn Bodine. Bodine. Good yeah. God. I've heard my dad talk about him a million Let's times. Let's go, Matt. Yeah, going all the way back, Bodine, Timmerman. There, I mean, SDSU has had some dogs every single uh, iteration on the way yeah. through. But now it is all the way probably seven deep, you yep. know, they're, they're, you know, starters plus plus a couple of guys. And it's – they're uh, – just just mean and they're strong and they understand what to do um and and i i think that that's that's the difference in why it takes longer to build because you can get big frames but a guy that just happens to be 6 6 280 in high school i mean his 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 career can go a whole different direction depending yeah. on who he's around and that's mm-hmm. uh that that's what we're seeing right now at at south dakota state mm-hmm. yeah, and matt i want to kick it back to you now cuz you focus in a lot as you were just able to rattle off that that jackrabbit great Good job. If, if you're yeah, if you're trying to build, what do you want first? I mean, if you can only have one right off the rip, you want an O line first, or if you want, or do you want a D line first? I'll let you know my answer after. What do you got? Um, I think O line. You got to protect your skill. 
um, and, and score some points. And, and we've seen, I mean, that took, that's taken Eck four or five years to get to this point, right? Um, because, because they've talked about that, that the cupboard was kind of bare when he first got here. You know, they only traveled eight linemen there for a while um, when X first started. So, I mean, that, that just takes a while to get there. Um, and there's only so many humans that are 6'3", six, 6'4", six, yep. that have that nastiness, that have that talent. Um, so, uh, speaking of that, that um, <laughs> that one picture of, or video of Mason McCormick kind of flexing towards the well, camera – Oh my God. And he, he, he even like retweeted it and just said juggernaut day or it's a day. Yeah. Huge. That's why I tweeted and said, he, that is a terrifying man. I told, uh, I told his dad. So I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like we're cousins. We're not actually cousins, but so my, my, my wife shares uh, a not an uncle with Mason. Okay. So that, that, that is the, we're not related, but I'm going to go ahead and jump on the bandwagon and pretend, pretend we're related. Um, you You're know, so smaller we, than him though. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm taller and i say that i say that with jest for all those listen dallas is like what are you six five yeah i'm six five you, it's all the crossfit something like that do you hunt meet wild game no do not actually <laughs> uh, but no he, mason i uh, hey, we get to hang out with his parents quite a bit fantastic uh, honestly i think they're probably listening uh but i i told his dad when we were we were at uh, whatever that bar was out in Colorado, I said that Mason's one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah, and I'll, I'll use a sw- uh, I'll, I'll cash in my swear word for the year. I'm like, I love watching him because he's a dick. <laughs> and I said that to his dad, and I'm like, I mean that in the best possible way. Like I'm remembering as a D lineman, all the guys that I hated to go against, both in games and in practices. And he's got that mentality mm-hmm. where it's just the the plays away, and there's one extra shove when the plays away every mm-hmm. time. You go just that extra half a second every single play, like, and that—that's his mentality, and that's how those guys operate. It's—it's it's fun to watch. You know, we had going back. There was always one or two of those guys, but now it's across the board, right? Like when I played, Nate Shire hated going against him. He always had that mentality. Going back, you know, I heard Timmerman. I heard Hayden was the same way at tight end. Um, we we have those guys, but yeah, now it's again, it's everybody. We had Mitch Erickson. So yeah. I played D line <laughs> when Mitch was there, and I would go. We would go up against him in one on one pass rush. And if you try to get a rip on him and he got your, he would grab your throat and he would yep. just slam you to the ground. Yep. It didn't matter how quick your feet were. He was just a good pass setter and obviously had a shot with the Seahawks and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I love those nasty, you know, offensive linemen, especially when they're on your side. And, you know, when you're on the other side and you're at the bottom of a pile and you catch those tricep pinches <laughs> and stuff like that and you get that reaction, yep. that's 15 yards. So, yeah, they know what they're know, doing. You, yeah. yeah. So I think that's a great answer. I think we would all agree. You got to protect your, protect your biggest asset and that would be your quarterback. And then also a, a big thing that we haven't touched on a lot this year is what we're going to see, I think, is the Jacks heat have been heating guys up. And it, when you don't have a great pass rush, you can manufacture one, right? So I think you were spot on, Matt, with your your assessment there of what you would rather have because you can you can always manufacture that pass rush and then start to build. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dixie State does try to heat us up. Yep. And this exactly. Um, they play a four, two, five. Um, so, you know, they have that, uh, that robber role, I think is what they're calling it on their defense. Um, and so who knows, we'll see on that. The, uh, the one thing, speaking of offensive lines, again, they've allowed 13 sacks through three games. So there's going to be some opportunities there for our guys to get loose. Um, so again, uh, 
let's stay healthy. Let's play clean. Um, I suppose, you know, for predictions, we need to, we need to talk about the bookstore quick. We haven't did the, we didn't do the bookstore and we did awards. So um, just before we do our predictions here, um, Jackrabbit Central, um, yesterday during the game, our friend, uh, the Bulldog, uh, David Michon, tweeted, hey, I want a jersey for my dog. Where can I get a jersey? So I went to Jackrabbit Central quick, typed in dog jersey, and there was a Jackrabbit dog jersey. I typed in the link, sent it back to David. He said, sweet, ordered, and uh, he got one bought. So that was pretty cool. Jackrabbit Central has everything you need. My daughter at the last football game bought a nice fall jacket, a white fall jacket that that she looks great in, and – her friends are loving it and soft. So is it dirty? Yes. You got her on something for everyone. You got oh, her on an allowance already, or what? Sorry, Dallas. No, I'm. <laughs> I was a big softy that game. You know, my no one else in my family wanted to go, but my four year old daughter said, "I'll go to Brookings with you, Dad." Love and that. So we went and we had a great time, and we awesome. met a lot of friends at tailgating. So. Right on time for, you know, great segue. We had national, was it national daughter's day yesterday? Yeah. National daughter's day. I saw Kurt Lickis. Shout out to Kurt. He's a consistent listener. Um, You know, posted his daughters too. I think they're his daughters. Otherwise this is getting weird real fast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Also back on track. uh, Just want to say, I got some die cuts from Jackrabbit central also because that could take a weird turn guys. Um, so got some koozies as well. Um, and then I got a nice Under Armour Raglan. Again, I've been talking about it left and right. Got got Lauren a crop top. So get the styles, man, before they go out, because I'm sure they're going to phase them out and get some yep. new stuff in. Yep. All right. So for predictions here, um, I'm looking at something similar to what we saw against uh, Lindenwood probably, you know, I'm going to say 48 to, to 7. I'm guessing they get us, you know, with that passing attack. There might be some breakdown, especially later in the game for a long game. So 48-7. What do you got, Dallas? I'm going to go 55-10. Um, I, again, I don't know if you guys covered it earlier, but it sounds like Stig maybe wasn't happy with a couple of things. Uh, you know, I think they're really going to dial in because I know this is this is it. This is, and again, I, I say this re- with respect to Dixie, but this is they, they are going to try some things. They're going to make sure that they're clean going into the meat of the Missouri Valley. Uh, so I, I think this is probably going to be a tough week of practice. I know they're going to work tackling. Uh, in the post-game comments, he was probably most critical on on defense, even though they got a shutout. Uh, so I'm I'm going to go. I, I think they, they might score late, but let's go 55-7, Jackrabbits. I'll go 58 to three, and you know to to honor Chad Perman here, who asked about you know our trickeration, the the quick pass from Pierre. Uh, Want to highlight that real quick. They're going to have to do a lot of that, I think, to get going uh, just to even, you know, build some momentum. And again, I'm not trying to slight them because everybody has been that up and coming team at some point. Now it's their turn uh, to try to test their medal against the best of the best. I think we're going to establish the run game quite a bit. I'm going to say Amar Johnson probably has a huge breakout game. Uh, I know Pierre is going to get his. Uh, I'd like to see him get out of the game pretty quick. Um, and then I, I want to give a nod finally, uh, you know, coach X play calling this year has been lights out coach Bergstrom and coach Rogers have been lights out. Um, but as far as the offensive side of the ball, cause that was more kind of the knack that I gravitated to. I think that, uh, you're going to see hopefully what we did against Indiana state, but a little bit more where our backups, you know, we trust them to 
to press the ball downfield, right? To push the ball downfield. Love that Heidi got some opportunities to try to, you know, air it out. Hopefully, maybe we can see Rudy Voss. I'd love to see what he's got. Try to find some of his ceiling uh, early on as a young collegiate player. Jack, I know the Jackson County Central kid uh, yeah. on the pod right here. Dallas likes that <laughs> as well, just as I, much as me. Yep. Every game, I'm like, man, just get him in there. I want to see what he can do. Me too. The pod, hoping, Rudy Boss. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I was hoping he'd get a little shot uh, last week too. But, you know, can't wait to hear the home crowd start chanting, Rudy, Rudy. You know. Know, know that I started it. Uh, wake up the echoes baby wake up the dana um so that'll, that'll be exciting but yeah you know look for the tight ends to make a big splash again just because i think when you play some of these teams who don't have a deep roster it becomes really difficult to guard some of those guys in one-on-one matchups mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i'm i'm looking forward to this game um just again being back in brookings uh, seeing the stadium, it's the beef bowl. So uh, I know there's going to be a lot of good food being cooked up. We're making brisket at our spot. Um, and and the cook-off there, I always like to kind of hang out by north of the softball field to see everyone bringing their food in to the tent to be judged. Uh, you oh. see a lot of good dishes. So I've, yeah. I've, Hold on, hold on. I have a beef bowl story. Uh, okay. do, I, do I have time? Can I tell it yeah, quick? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. so I was up at the, uh, well, I know we're getting right up on an hour here, and I, I was all impressed we're going to close right at an hour. Okay, so I'm up at the the Gophers Camp with Hudson with my son uh, this, this summer, and I talked to one of their coaches who was, I think he was the OC at, um, at uh, for the Sycamores, you'll call it six, seven years ago. No, more than that, probably seven or eight years ago. And he was telling a story. He was, you know, super complimentary of the Jacks. Um, you know, complimentary of Stig, coaching staff, all that. But he, he said, here's a story. And this is my opinion of South Dakota. This is what I, this just paints a picture. He said they went out and it was the beef bowl. And he said they went out in their first series after halftime, they punted. And their punter rolled his ankle. And they couldn't figure out what happened. And the punter stepped where a cow stepped on the grass field and rolled his ankle and was out for the game. Because after the beef bowl, <laughs> and he said they apparently they checked the film and they're like, yeah, that's what happened. That's where the cow walked. Yeah, and that, that that's how the punter hurt his ankle was walking where the cow stepped at the beef bowl. Man, <laughs> that old crown field has claimed some ankles now. Uh-huh. Snatching ankles, Kyle Harris. Yep. I need to set up. I need to set up a pod just to ask him that specific situation in 2011, how it claimed his whole leg, his whole kicking leg. It was terrible. Why would we ask him that? That's terrible. <laughs> Because we get beef here on, on the, uh, the old former player features. Oh, like, I remember sitting in the stands or standing in the stands in the student section, just like, what the hell just happened? I was in like, shock. I mean, I think we were all in shock more than he was. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Uh, this took a weird turn again. So I can't wait to get a text right. or a call when Kurt uh, hears that daughter's day. <laughs> They're his daughters. They look a lot. They look related. Oh, jeepers. All right. So uh, with that, let's have fun on Saturday. Let's cheer loud. Let's make yes, get the home field advantage. Uh, so go big, go blue. Go Jacks. This podcast has been brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Drake's Place in Bottle, and to Jackrabbit Central and Shenanigans. Subscribe to this podcast in all of the Jackrabbit Illustrated podcasts and like and follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter. And go big, go blue, go Jacks. All right. Uh, This took a weird turn again. (laughs) So...
just gutted one out at home against <laughs> South Dakota. Um, uh, the chokes. I mean, yo, sorry. Uh, 